Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Miss. Pop pass in the middle. Got Tucker's it. got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit oh. and in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM Heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing ESPN app Seen, heard, and everything in between Ladies and gentlemen on the mighty QSportsTalk.com I gotta say this right off the bat, what a pleasant surprise Now if you are a regular listener of this show, regular viewer of this show on QSportsTalk.com, you know that no one touches the monologue, okay, except Jim Beheim. The only person allowed to touch the Bay to touch the monologue is Jim Beheim. He's the only person. I make rare exceptions to this rule, very rare exceptions to this rule, but no one touches the monologue. But you know who just came in and said hello and just brightened my day? And it may or may not be because he still hasn't given me his Christmas gift for me, which is on his desk. But Paul Sebelia, ladies and gentlemen, fresh and bushy-eyed and uh, what is that expression? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed from uh, his trip back from Louisville, pops his head in. He is so committed to come in when he is in the building. Now, when he's not in the building, I wish I got a text message or something. We need to work out something from when Paul was on the road. But Paul Sibelia pops his head in just as I'm about to do the open of the show. And he says, good luck, Brent. We're all counting on you. I just, I need that. I need that in my life. And now I'm excited because there's a gift coming probably during the next commercial break. Like, can you think of a better way to start the show? So no one touches the monologue except Jim Beheim, And I think we can put Paul Sibelia on that list too. That was very touching. Very touched by that. How are you doing? How's your Wednesday going? You guys ready to rock and roll? And do this thing. Here's how you make yourself a part of it. 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. Or as mentioned, uh, QSportsTalk.com where you can watch the show. You can interact with us in the chat uh, throughout the program. Give us as many takes as you'd like. I mean, if you call us, you got one take. It kind of expires like a donut. You eat a donut, it's gone. You, know, you can have two donuts. That's a little much. You can't call the show twice. But you can gorge as much as you like. Or the sports takes all you can eat, if you will, in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. And our friends on QSportsTalk.com, still true in 2023, get bonus content in that when the radio audience goes to a break, they do not. We keep the mic on, we keep the camera on, we keep talking to them. So make it your New Year's resolution to watch us as well at QSportsTalk.com. 
On that note, we were talking about this in the office, but I, I swear I'll get to the show. But just another thing I, I brought up, and I wonder how you guys feel about this out there. Maybe this is something we can discuss in the Q Sports Talk chat today. When do we stop saying Happy New Year? Because I think it's today. I think you get four days. I might even be willing to give you an extension through the rest of the week, right? Because we came back a day later than usual and that whole thing. But I love that Larry David clip that gets circulated a lot this time of year. You see somebody at the gym and somebody says, oh, Happy New Year. He's like, eh, it's middle of January, right? So we're still in that zone. I still feel it's appropriate. Like starting tomorrow, it's like, yeah, just don't do it. You don't need to give me the Happy New Year. You're not obligated to give me the Happy New Year. It's fine. I'll be fine. I think it expi- it's like the date on the milk cartons today, but it, you can still go a couple more days after that. But if it's a week from, t- just no, just just stop. So we're, we're in that zone. Just be wary of that. Get your Happy New Year's out and let's move on. It's 2023. What do we got coming for you today? We're certainly going to talk some uh, Syracuse basketball. A win is a win, as they say, and that was the case last night. But what is this team really gaining? Different question. We will ponder that in the monologue. Uh, We didn't get to this yesterday for obvious reasons as we spent a lot of the show with a heavy heart and still absolutely thinking about Tamar Hamlin today and what he is going through, what his family is going through, what Bill's Mafia is thinking about and going through. And how about the New York Post today, of all things, with an amazing cover today. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And the headline is America's Son. And who knew that the New York Post could hit you right here? Amazing uh, back page for them, and I think that's the case. A lot of people that don't watch football, aren't Bills fans, have no connection whatsoever, are thinking about Tamar Hamlin, praying for Tamar Hamlin, and we continue to do that. So there was a couple of things we didn't get to yesterday because of the time we spent on that, but we are going to talk to Matt Perino today, who's on the Buffalo Bills beat, Syracuse.com, NYUp.com, the spectacular shout podcast, which Bills Mafia should download, listen to, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Matt has been in Cincinnati. He has been doing some amazing reporting on the story. He was there for you know the matchup that, of course, was abruptly halted on Monday night, and we just want to kind of check in with Matt to see what it was like on the scene in Cincinnati. And now you start to ask those questions about, are they even going to make up this game, which I don't think they should. I don't think they need to, right? There's just certain things that come up in life that you can't foresee that you just, I think, have to let go. And I think it's not necessary to play this game as much as there was on the line football-wise until life certainly took over there. But we've got a lot of questions for Matt, and uh, hopefully he'll have some answers for us. And I know he's been doing some great work that you should be reading and uh, listening to via his podcast. So we'll talk to Matt later in the show. Got some hot takes on something that I'll just phrase it this way. Who really wants this? There's some smart people that are pushing this agenda, and I feel like they're going to get what they want. But let me just come back to the central question. Who really wants this? Tell you what that's all about. In hot takes, I've got some leftover pinstripe bull takes we might get to because, like we said, we didn't really get to that yesterday. And, you know, it's kind of a weird first day back after everything that went went on. So, you know, we just don't want the offseason to take over before getting in a, a few last thoughts on the pinstripe bowl and where Syracuse football's at and kind of where they're going from here. So that open for discussion as well. But certainly we start 
with Syracuse and Louisville. Now, I've got some individual thoughts that I'm going to go through here and players and just, you know, kind of the the micro, if you will. But one thing that I like to come back to from time to time is, not that I want to give away the answer to the question here, but I am a firm believer in something that I think Jim Beheim is also a firm believer in, amongst other things, and that is all that matters is the tournament. It's all that matters. Now, in the day-to-day, you have to get better as a team. You have to certainly deal with the details, right? Like today, for example. If my wife is listening right now, she'll get a kick out of this. So two things that I am tasked with doing at my house, okay? They can't find a speaker of the house. I couldn't win speaker of my own house right now based on how I dropped the ball on a couple of things, okay? Two things that I do that I did not do that just completely disrupt the flow of the day-to-day at my household. I take the garbage out and I make coffee. That sounds simple enough, right? But those are just two things that my wife doesn't have to worry about very early in the morning when she's getting ready for school. She's a teacher. She leaves early. Like, coffee's, all I got to do is push the button, right? Just push the button. There you go. I don't set the timer because it's a little different what time every day. You don't need to know the, the micro details of that. But all she got to do is push that button. And when she pulls out of the driveway on Wednesday morning, there's the garbage cans. I didn't do either of those things today. I, didn't do, I just, that cup that you have two jobs. You have two jobs. Went to bed last night, didn't make the coffee, didn't take the garbage cans out. There's, there are those big freaking garbage cans, too, which the last thing my lovely bride should be doing in her beautiful work clothes at 6 o'clock in the morning is dragging those things to the end of the street. So you have to pay attention to the day-to-day details of life or things fall apart. It's the same thing for a basketball team. So that's what this team is tasked with doing. But you got to keep the, the macro in mind, too. You've got to keep in mind, this is more what I do as opposed to a coach or a player who's got to take it one game at a time, right? So Syracuse has won seven of their last eight games. Syracuse is 10-5. and five. They're 3-1 and one in ACC play. I realize what the calendar says. Realizing how tougher the, the schedule will get from here. I know Virginia lost to Pitt last night. Virginia's still going to be a major challenge. Syracuse on Saturday, particularly on the road. Syracuse is winning games. Syracuse won a game last night, but what are they gaining? What are they gaining in the macro? In the micro, maybe we're starting to see some things. Maybe we're starting to answer some questions about what this team is. Last night, Jesse Edwards got a real taste from the worst team in the ACC about what he's going to get game in and game out. In this league. Not that he doesn't know that having gone through it last year, but he had a double double. But that first half, he really had to earn it. Every team that plays Syracuse and teams that are better defensively, that grind like that, are going to do what Louisville did to Jesse last night take him out of his comfort zone, really make him work for it. Now, Syracuse smartly went to Jesse a lot more when certain players got into foul trouble in the second half of that game. And he's good enough that he's going to, you're going to look up at the end of the day, more often than not, he's going to be at a double-double or near a double-double if he's not in foul trouble, which he was not last night, okay? 
We still can't figure out this rebounding thing from the forwards, as Jim Beheim said at his post-game press conference. We're halfway through, and we're just almost, and we're just not playing good enough. We're just not forwards. And, you know, it's strange, too, because Chris, when he gets a shot, he makes it. Justin makes a shot. He, he, they can make shots. It's they, they can't do anything else, and that's just hard to win. And they're in position. They're just not used to battling, and they have you have to battle there. And Benny is big and strong, and he's not doing the job we need on the boards. And early Malik was, but now he's kind of gone with them and he's kind of watching out there too and I was not at practice I was not in Louisville but I know I'm starting to see some things with this team based on what I see where patterns are developing they're winning games you know Judah Mintz last night dribbles up the Benny Hill theme was playing as he loses the ball, then Louisville loses the ball. Judah made a couple of big plays in the stretch, and then I don't know where he was going at the end of the game. The game's over. Just stop and hold the ball. But he, I don't know what he was doing, really. He didn't either, obviously. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what happens sometimes with freshmen. But and By the way, he slipped, and a lot of players slipped on that court. I don't know if they were playing a hockey game there or something the night before, but that's, that's neither here nor there. They got a win on the road in the ACC. So in the day-to-day, in the micro, they are making gains. In the macro, they've made none. Here's what I mean by that. Let's look at the net rankings. Syracuse is currently 143 in the net rankings. They are 137 previously. They dropped in that poll. Now they have to account this week's games into it. Syracuse, if you go through the list here, they're 0-1 in quad one games. So that tells me, a lot of quad one opportunities on the way. They are 0-1 in quad two. They're 3-3 three and three in quad three. They're 7-0 and in quad four. That's where we're at here. So they're making gains as a team. You, you start to hear the same opinions from Jim and the same concerns from Jim. Watch the post-game press conferences in, in, in their entirety. I always encourage you to do that. We play clips, but I will say every single time, watch the whole thing because you'll get an education. Whether you agree or disagree with what Jim's saying, it's the best show in town. There's a pattern there where he almost, I don't would never speak for him. I just am interpreting what he's saying here, and he'll probably disagree with this. But there's a pattern there where he's almost like, yeah, we got away with that one too. Did you notice it in, in the clip that I played? Have you noticed it in other pre- post-game press conferences when he says, we're still not good enough? Like, he circles back to this. We're still not good enough. And I think what he's talking about there is what I'm talking about. The end game, the ultimate goal. Are you getting better at a rate where you can seriously be in the conversation to do all that matters? And that's make the tournament. And the answer to that right now is an unequivocal no. Now, I haven't even brought up Joe Girard's name because I'm going to save an entire segment of this show for later. That's a tease. To discuss Joe Girard, particularly the Joe Girard haters that are out there. I got a special message for you later in the show, so keep that under your cap. There are certain things about this team that make me think they're fighters, they'll be in a lot of games, they'll be competitive, but there are other aspects of this that make me say, do you have time for this to develop? 
to seriously be in the conversation to gain. It starts Saturday with Virginia. Top 11 team in the country, legit. Every measurement you can think, you beat that team, now all of a sudden we've taken a step up the ladder. We're about midway through the season and what this entire season is about, and we check in on this throughout the year, maybe not every game, but you got to take a step back at certain points of the season and say, okay, micro, this is the deal. Okay, we took out the garbage today. We remembered to make the coffee today. Good. We're making progress here. But the big picture, the big picture, can this team, and there's two months to go here, but can they develop into a team that is at least playing for the tournament? So they're winning games, but what are they really gaining in what ultimately matters? And the answer to that right now is nothing. The answer to that as we speak is not enough. That can absolutely change because the schedule gets harder. There's meat on the bone. You start winning some of those games. You start doing the math. You start looking at the pattern. You start looking at what the league is. There is a path to map this out. They just haven't stepped on the path yet. They're taking care of business. Okay? You won seven of your last eight games. What did we say last night on the show and on pregame? Just don't screw it up. But we also said, what kind of crowd was that going to be? And, and kudos to that crowd who's watched a crappy product all year. But that game was, I mean, it was unique. There was a lot of turnovers in that game, right? As I wrote in my column today, if you made a soundtrack of that game, Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers would be one of the songs on the theme. The Benny Hill theme would be on there. But you know what else would be on there? Shout out to you, Team Wolf fans. Win in the end. I got a win in the end. That's all they. That's what they did. You walk away with a win. But what have you gained from that? And the most important question that a Division I college basketball team, an ACC basketball team, has to step back and ask itself at certain points of the season. And on that note, we'll break. As I mentioned, I've got more thoughts on individual things from that game, but particularly, especially about Joe Girard. So hang in there for that. More to come. Matt Perino later in the show to check in on everything that's happening with DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills, where we go from here and just kind of, you know, it was a lot to process over the past couple of days. So let's take a breath and just kind of see where we're at. His uncle spoke. I think Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, had some really poignant things to say today. So we'll get to all that. We'll get to your calls. We'll see what's cooking in the chat. I've got a surprise for Jordan coming up here that we'll do in, in one of these upcoming Q Sports Talk breaks, so uh, keep uh, your eyes on that. So much to come as we go through the afternoon. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> is on the block with Brent X. Oh, we got us some breaking news in the wide world of sports, friends. Much as I love the gin blossoms, let's uh, let's hit it here. 
We'll get to the Joe Girard haters momentarily here, but the various uh, insiders, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, you name it, reporting the Boston Red Sox and third baseman Raphael Devers finalizing an 11-year, $331 million contract that uh, is not finalized yet. He's got to pass the physical and all that fun stuff, but we'll keep him in Boston. Well, there you have it. The Red Sox let Xander Bogarts go. They botched Xander Bogarts. They learned the lessons from Xander Bogarts. It still should be Bogarts endeavors at that corner for a decade to come, but uh, they did not let Devers go. Now, yesterday I expressed uh, some skepticism on this. Jordan, happy that they gave Devers a, you know, just basically to avoid arbitration. Here's a one year deal or 17 million. I was. I'm still upset with the Red Sox over Mookie Betts and was set at the Red Sox for Xander Bogarts. And my take on Devers was, you better not screw that up. Like, I basically conceded the fact that they were going to trade him in the offseason for, like, five prospects or something and continue to treat this team like they're the Oakland A's when, in fact, they're a multi-billion-dollar operation that should not have let Betts go, should not have let Bogarts go. Devers, though... I'll give them this. They did the right thing. They took care of business. They learned their lessons. They're going to get a lot of fans back on their side. That Not that Red Sox fans, they're not going to go root for another team or something, but you just you had to win the fan base back. And it makes sense. He's one of the best young players at his position in the game, and we couldn't go through this again next offseason. you got to lock down your stars. you got to lock down what the Yankees did with Aaron Judge. It's not just that Aaron Judge had this unbelievable record season. It's he's the franchise. He's the star. He sells the jerseys. He's the reason you go to the games. And if the Red Sox let Devers go to, the last person walked out the door that connects with the city and gives you a reason to go to the games. So I even hesitate to say congratulations to the Red Sox on this because I'm still pissed about Mookie and Xander, but they didn't let Devers go. So, you know what you get for that, Boston? You get the golf clap. You get the golf clap. You did your job. Way to go. In my best Paul Civilian voice, do your job. And they did their job. Okay, very good. Moving on. Are we gonna hit this? We gonna no? I'm not. I'm not gonna hit that, Jordan. I'm not gonna do that because I'm not that excited. See, I'll hit it because this is what Jordan wants me to play here. But no, I, I I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't be that happy that the Red Sox did their job and did what is pretty much an obvious thing for a multi-billion-dollar organization to do. I'll give you a sliver. I'll give you a slice. Give you a little bit. I will cut it off before the wahoo. That's what you get. Okay. I believe uh, Steve and Brian talked about this earlier on Orange Nation, and I will reiterate this point. There are uh, a noticeable amount of Syracuse basketball fans out there that will not give Joe Girard credit. They have dug in. They do not like Joe Girard for whatever reasons they don't. Happened on my timeline again last night. 
Somebody literally tweets at me, and Twitter is what it is. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy, but it can also serve its purpose and get your opinion out there in real time, and there are benefits to it. But when I see multiple tweets, and I understand that these people are the minority, but sometimes you got to shine the light on the minority to watch the cockroaches scatter that say things like, why is Joe Girard even in this game? Are you insane, people? Are we watching the same basketball game when you say things like this, right? It's okay to give Joe Girard credit. If you're going to be a Girard hater and you're going to dig in on that, you have to be fair and you have to give credit when it is due, okay? We're not in Jerry McNamara 10 bleeping games territory here. As Mike Waters tweeted, during the game, before he even got to the 28 points and the free throw shooting down the stretch, the rebounding down the stretch, look, Joe Girard is not a good defender. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he is. Everybody's got flaws in their game. But it's what you do to make up for those flaws. It's the leadership you show. It's Jim Beheim during a timeout, as I believe Mike wrote about. Pardon me if this was Donna. I didn't see who wrote this story. Um, let me look it up now so we can give proper credit here. But Jim Beheim during a timeout last night, turns to Joe Girard and says, take us home. Take us home, right? So for all the flaws in Joe's game sometimes, and I have pointed those out when they're there, he had that stretch, three games where he just couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I mentioned his defensive uh, deficiencies and you know things that you know in the context of sports when you're breaking things down that are fair to point out, right? They they are fair to point out, and I think I've been fair about that. But it's funny how all of you scatter and disappear. It was Donna who wrote that. I wanted to give proper credit, but Mike Waters put this on Twitter: Gerard has a team high 13 points, a team high three assists, five rebounds. Only Jesse Edwards has more, and some Syracuse fans want to bench Gerard or run him out of the program. These are the people I'm talking about. You people are goobers. You are morons. You are unreasonable twits. And I just don't know what to say to you anymore. What I say to you is, I'm literally talking on the radio, but like things on social media, like I don't even acknowledge you. We're not at Jerry McNamara 10 bleeping games territory here, but there is no way on God's green earth they win that game without Joe Girard last night. So you can either be just an unreasonable idiot and dig in on your opinion and point out all the things that Joe Girard does wrong, or you can be a reasonable person and take the Twitter or these airwaves or whatever format you want to do it in and say, look, Joe's got some flaws in his game and I'm critical of X, Y, and Z, but they don't win without Girard last night. You can do it. You can take your medicine, you can be humble, and you can recognize these things. Because if you just stick to the same opinion and you don't open your eyes, you're not reasonable, then you're just stubborn. And a lot of other names that I want to say right now that I won't. Jim Beheim last night on Joe Girard. Let's listen. I'm just very thankful that, uh, you know, Joe Girard, uh, he didn't want to lose the game and he just made a couple shots that, you know, we shouldn't be in that position. But we made some really bad turnovers. 
to get down, then we fight back, then we made a couple bad turnovers. You know, Joe just, he made some plays down the stretch. You know, Joe Girard, you know, he gets in there and gets seven rebounds, and we got three forwards that can't get seven all together. And, you know, we can't win that way. It's the most uh, frustrating thing I've ever seen in 47 years of coaching, um, how you can just watch and not go after the ball. That's Jim Beheim. So we started to get on a different topic there with the rebounding at the end, but something Jim also said last night, there's a little hyperbole in here, but he's not far off to say he's one of the more underappreciated players that Syracuse has had. That's dead on. It's dead on. Okay? Will Joe have some bad games? Will Joe cost Syracuse some games? Will Joe have some up and up and down performances the rest of the year? I'm sure it'll happen. But when you look at the records that he's setting, the consistency, the leadership last night, I mean, yeah, you can point at some turnovers. You can point at some defensive flaws. You can also point at the fact that he went after seven rebounds that he hit 10 of 11 free throws, making a huge rebound, speaking of which, with 20 seconds to go. Does Joe take some shots from the logo he shouldn't? Yes, he does. Is Joe's shot selection always the best? No. Shooters shoot, and sometimes shooters miss. But I know this. They don't win that game without him, and it's okay to acknowledge when Joe Girard plays well. It's funny how quiet you get, almost in real time, after you point out his flaws. It's okay to be like, eh, you know what? However you want to phrase it. It's incredible to me how some people are so stubborn. They're so set. And you can talk about this in many walks of life. And by the way, pot calling the kettle black here. I'm pretty stubborn on certain things and have to be <laughs> really humbled sometimes to change my opinion. But I think I'm also reasonable enough that I can change my opinion. Because if you just pick an opinion and stick with it no matter what, you're just an idiot. When you're presented with new information and, and, the, and the conversation changes, you have to change with it. Last night, not the night to be a Joe hater just to get your point across. or pick. I mean, you're just picking the ultimate nits there. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be like, you know who won that game for Syracuse last night? Joe Girard won that game for Syracuse last night. I think that's all I ever ask. If you're going to express an opinion in a public place, myself included, by the way, I'm not absolving myself from this conversation. You have to open your eyes. You have to be fair. You have to be reasonable. And you have to accept when you're wrong. So to all the Joe haters out there who get mysteriously quiet after nights like that, you were wrong. For a night, you could be right Saturday, but and then I'll I'll be flooded with messages from you, which I just can't wait to see. But I think you've got to separate certain things, and why I've seen it with Trevor Cooney, I've seen it with a number of other players that apply to this, and I think it's I'm not going to name names here because there's certain names I just don't acknowledge anymore. But I think it comes from a certain faction of fans that are just more outspoken than others and it's kind of like the old Costanza line yeah it's not a lie if you believe it Jerry well you can believe what you want to believe I think it's better I think it's more appreciated when you admit something you don't want to admit 
that you can be humble enough to say, yeah, I've been pretty hard on Joe, but do they win that game without him last night? No, they don't. Not even that. Just wrong about what kind of player he is now, has become. Again, he's got flaws in his game. Name me a player who doesn't. But if you're so blind to the fact you can't see what he's evolved to, how important he is to this team, love it or hate it, how much it flows through him, I can't help you. And I don't want to hear your opinion. Back after this with the blind side. 